He's on vacation. My name is Jordan. Hi. <laughs> if you guys want to stand and sing with us, we're going to get started.
want you guys to turn around. Hey, Journey, the school year is fast approaching, and we want to love on our community by providing school supplies to students in need. As an educator, I can tell you that having necessary school supplies helps set children up for success by providing the structure needed to focus on and engage in their education. Studies show that children having school supplies of their own can improve grades, creativity, attitude towards learning, behavior, peer relationships, and even self-image. A single pack of pencils and paper could be the gateway to a bright and promising career. It is crucial to make sure the leaders of our future are prepared in our schools today. Here at the front desk, you will find bags with an attached list. We ask only for the basic supplies, but we are welcoming any additional items you may wish to include. With your help, we can make sure students in our community start their first day of school with confidence and end the year successfully. What a difference we can make together. Thanks, Journey Family, for your support. Good morning, Journey. We have a lot going on in the life of our church. Love Bullet Lick is happening this Tuesday from 6.30 to 8. You can sign up in the Journey app. If you need more information, just be sure to see April. Packs are returning soon, and we need leaders. If you are interested in starting your own pack, please be sure to connect with Rusty. Move Up Sunday is happening August 7th for both students and children. There will also be a student's meeting right after the second service on the same day. To stay up to date and informed, please make sure you download the Journey app. If you were a first time visitor, we're so glad to have you here. Please make sure you stop by the front desk for a free gift. That's it for announcements. We hope you enjoy the service. All right, well, good morning again. We're so glad you guys are here with us. It is so hot outside, and so we're glad you took some time to be with us. Uh, and not in a pool or in a lake or something like that. We know a lot of people are still traveling and having vacations. And so if you're watching this later online or on the podcast, we're so glad you guys are here. We dropped a new episode of Divinely Uninspired this week. Uh, and so if you don't listen to our podcast, we have so many people. We have people from all over like the state and different states listening to us. Uh, and so it's been a lot of fun doing that. So make sure you listen to Divinely Uninspired if you don't. Uh, and like I said, if you're new, we're so glad you guys are here. And so today we're wrapping up this series, uh, but next week we start a new series called Mixtape, and we're super excited about it. Uh, we're going to be covering some of the most famous songs that have ever been written and kind of taking a look at them and see what messaging comes out of those. Uh, I know that we're covering Stevie Nicks and Metallica, and we're covering Mumford and & Sons and Allison Krauss and a whole bunch of other stuff, uh, Queen one week, so very diverse. And so we hope that you guys uh, come for that. It's a great opportunity if you love music invite somebody that loves music because we're going to have a lot of fun with this next series all right and so today as we wrap this up this series uh, also april's pop-up shop ends today um and it get rid of all of it because i'd never want to see it here again and so it's good and so uh, if you want to grab a shirt or a coffee mug that all ends up today so as we wrap up this series uh, uh little cups of joy essentially what we've been doing is taking a look at verses or stories from the bible that have been inspirational to us and help us understand faith a little bit better, and so kind of been taking some of these things and piecing them together. And today, as we wrap this up, I'm going to tell you a story that is unfamiliar to some of us, but the messaging behind it has really helped shape the way that I view 
value uh, God and grace and my relationship with God and my understanding of what grace is. And I'm going to tell you, it's uncomfortable. Uh, it's an unsettling story. And so to introduce it, I want to kind of start with a more familiar story for a lot of us, especially if you've grown up in church. Uh, but this story, and it has a little nugget that I want to talk about. But uh, there's a story that's very famous. It's called The Prodigal Son. You've probably heard this story or heard versions of this story if you've grown up in church or ever paid attention in church. And essentially, Jesus one time tells a story about a man who had two sons. Uh, one of them is the younger brother. One of them is the older brother. Now, the younger brother, at some point in the story, decides that he wants his share of the inheritance. So essentially, what that means in a first century context is, I wish you were dead, um, which is not a nice thing to say to your father, but that's essentially what he's saying is, I don't want to have anything to do with you outside of what you're going to give me, which is my inheritance. It's a very complicated way uh, in order to kind of divide up the inheritance and all of this stuff. And essentially, he wants what's coming to him and then to walk away from his father. And so you have this story, and it's kind of this weird story. One of the things we don't understand in our culture is when we read this story, how shocking it would have been to the first century audience for someone to even ask this or imply that they want their inheritance because of what that actually means. And so if you know the story, uh, there's this strange moment where the father actually grants the request of the younger son. He gives him his share of the inheritance, and he sends him on his way. At some point in the story, the son, the younger son, uh, he basically blows all of his inheritance. He comes to a point where he, he's living as a servant in a, a pig farm, and he's putting out the slop for the pigs. And he has this moment of realization that actually he would be better off living as a servant at his father's place because his father treats his servants better than he's being treated right now. And he decides that he wants to go back. All right. And so in this story, we see this moment where he's on his way back. He's rehearsing kind of this speech. And so he decides that he's going to return to the father. And the Bible tells us that while he's still a long way off, the father sees him and the father starts to run towards his son. Now, again, this is this kind of emotional and dramatic thing. And it's very like, oh, the father loves the son. But you have to understand, again, shockingly to the first century audience, a Jewish patriarch would never run, especially run to a son that's been so disrespectful of him. But eventually what we see in this story is he runs to the son. He doesn't even want to hear the son's speech. He's just glad his son has come back and he yells out to his servants to go and to kill the fattened calf and that they're going to have a feast because his son has returned. Now, that's his famous story. You should read it if you never heard it. But this part I want to focus on is actually what happens next. So in their culture, um, for the father to kill a fattened calf, so, so a, a, a large cow, uh, we, a couple years ago, uh, we had a guy here at church that donated a pig uh, for a feast. I went to go pick it up from the butcher. The pig weighed 400 pounds. He didn't tell me that. Uh, so it was a lot of, of, of pork. Uh, but imagine a calf, a cow, especially if you know farmers. And So he takes his fattened calf. I mean, this would feed a whole lot of people. A lamb is more likely what you would kill if you're just going to feed your family. So by killing this fattened calf, I mean, this could feed 100 people. This could feed, essentially, in their culture, a small village, which is what most small villages were, were about 100 people. So essentially, in this story, it's such a big deal that the son is returning, and the father's so excited about it, he wants to invite everybody into this story. And maybe even it's this idea that the son's departure was so destructive, he needs to be reconciled to a whole lot of people, not just the father. And so it's this grand story. And so while this is going on, while the preparations are being made for this giant feast for killing this fattened calf, which have been very expensive, uh, a very big deal, the older brother comes in from the field because he's heard what's going on. Now, imagine this. 
if you are an older sibling or just a sibling and your wayward brother or sister who has been disrespectful to you, been disrespectful to the father, has gone off and squandered everything, right? Just imagine your feelings right now, right? Family can be complicated, right? Is that the best way to describe it? And so imagine that you are this older brother who's always done the right thing, who never even would imagine leaving the father. And you hear that the younger brother has returned, and not only has he returned, but now there's a party being thrown for him. Your first response would be very similar to the response of probably this brother. Well, this just seems totally unfair. This seems completely unfair that we're making this big deal about this punk kid, you know, all of these things. This is unfair. And, and so he goes to the father and he wants to communicate to the father how unfair this is. And he goes to the father and here's what he says. He says, you never even gave me a goat so my friends and I could party together because we all enjoy a good goat burger every once in a while, right? <laughs> now, what's interesting, and this is the part I want to talk about, is when he says a goat, what you have to understand is a goat does not have very much meat at all. They're very lean animals. And so essentially, the older brother kind of reveals the best he could come up with is this idea of this kind of measly goat. It's a deprivation of imagination of what the father is actually capable of. It kind of represents a small shrunken view of the blessing and goodness and the love and the generosity of the father. That he has this small view of how generous the father actually is. And that's what I want to talk about today. And a little warning, this story we're going to dive into today, it can be a little unsettling, especially for some of us that feel like the older brother, that feel like the ones that have always done it right, that we've never strayed away, that we've always been the best of our ability, the ones that have felt like we've always done the right thing. And it's a little unsettling, especially in their culture, because what's going to happen seems a little upside down. It seems a little backwards. It may seem a little bit wrong, and it may even seem a little bit unfair. But if we're willing to work through the details of this story we're going to read that Jesus tells, it will also help us see ourselves in a different light. It'll help us understand ourselves better, but it'll also help us understand God better and the kingdom of God. Now, what Jesus does when he walks onto the scene, and if you're familiar with the Bible, is he tells stories. He tells these parables. And in these stories that he tells, there's a couple of things you always have to watch out for. There's almost always a character that represents God, and there's always a character that kind of represents us. As, as people, but also maybe as an individual. And so when you hear these stories, what you often have to do is kind of break it down and try to figure out, okay, which one represents the God character and which one represents us. And so Jesus is kind of trying to explain this upside down kingdom system, this new value system. He starts with this parable. And again, it's kind of one of these things that for some of us, it's going to be a little unsettling where this ends. So in Matthew chapter 20, if you want to read along, uh, there'll be some verses on the screen here in a minute, but I'm going to kind of paraphrase it. It's kind of a long story, and we're going to work through it together. I'll kind of give some commentary as we go, but I encourage you to read it on your own, okay? So in chapter 20, this is how he starts the story, and this is really important. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like. So whatever comes next is Jesus trying to explain what the economy of God is like what his kingdom is like, what his value system is like. So it's really important to understand that. He's explaining this to these people and explaining it to us. And he said, the kingdom of heaven is like this landowner. He's this rich guy. 
And he has this vineyard. And so because he's rich and he's not going to work the land himself, he's going to pay people to work it, that he goes out about 6 o'clock in the morning and he goes to the public square and he finds these day laborers. So back then, a lot of times people were looking for work, very similar to some cultures and contexts today. So they would gather together and they would go to these places and then people would come out and they would hire them to do work for the day. So he goes at like 6 o'clock in the morning, he goes to the public square and he finds these laborers and he says to them, hey, if you'll come and work my vineyard, I'll pay you for it. So it's this generous offering because if he doesn't offer it, they don't have anything for that day. So it's a very generous offering. And then he tells you, I'm going to give you a denarius, which is a very generous amount of money for a daily wage. Okay, it's, it's kind of like what's expected, but it's a very generous offer for what he's offering. And so he goes, hey, if you go into this vineyard and you do this work, at the end of the day, I'll pay you a denarius, which is more than, than, than enough for your, your effort and your energy for today. And so they agree to it. They say, well, this is a fair offer. This is a good deal. So we'll go to your vineyard and we'll work there for the day. And so they go and they're on their way and, and it gets there. And they start to work. If this was the end of the story, it would be a very boring story, <laughs> and you'd be like, well, Jesus, you're never going to be able to start a movement with terrible stories like this, right? It's just not that great of a story. So uh, the story continues, though. So then about three hours later, so it's about nine o'clock in the morning now, so a little bit later, he goes back. Now, you've got to understand, and I didn't understand this. My grandfather was a farmer, had a huge farm, but you want to start farm work early in the, in the morning because it's hot. You want to get your work done and all this type of stuff, so they'd start early in the morning. So this is about three hours later. So these are people that either get hired for the first shift for, for unknown reasons, or maybe they're a bit lazy and they slept in a little bit that morning. It's like the 1115 crowd here. You guys just come whenever you want, and <laughs> just kidding. And so they slept in a little bit this morning, and now they're on their way. So it's about 9 o'clock in the morning. And the same landowner, he goes to the same part of the public square, and he sees these people standing around looking for work, and he's like, all right. He's like, well, I got this offer for you. If you go and you're willing to go work in my vineyard for the day, at the end of the day, I'll pay you a fair wage. We'll make it right. We'll figure it out at the end of the day, and so we'll just make it right. And so they're like, oh, okay, well, we're looking for work. So they go to the vineyard, and, and they go, and they work. And then the story continues. So then the same guy, the same landowner, about noon, about lunchtime, he goes to the same public square, the same place, and he goes and he sees these people standing around. He's like, hey, what are you guys doing? Well, we're looking for some work. And he goes, well, here's the deal. I've got this vineyard. And so if you're willing to go and you're going to work this vineyard, um, I'll pay you at the end of the day. It'll be a fair wage. We'll, we'll make it right at the end of the day. And you can go on and you can go work at the vineyard. And so these people, they go and they go and they work at the vineyard. So you got to imagine these people, they're sitting there and they're hearing the story and they're like, okay, what, what, are you, what are you trying to do? Like you got these people that have been here, they started, hired them at six, you got these people that have been here at nine, now you got these people that are starting at noon. And they're probably thinking like, Jesus, you're making this really complicated and so is this vineyard owner because at the end of the day, they're going to have to pay all these people and how are you going to know who came at six and who came at nine and who came at 12? It's going to be complicated and now you've got all these people and they're, they're going to feel a little bit odd about the situation because some of them have been working all day, some of them only worked a half a day. And so it, it's kind of this kind of weird situation. And they're probably also trying to figure out, because it's a confusing story, well, which one's God, which one's us, which one's me, you know, who, do, who am I represented? I think at this point starting to kind of make a little bit sense that, that maybe who the God character is. But then they're probably asking the question, well, now you've got three sets of people, which one represents me? And then Jesus continues with the story. So he's like, well, it's like three o'clock in the afternoon. And so the day's almost over. And so the same guy, he goes out to the same public square and he looks around and he sees these people standing around and, 
and, and they're staying in there at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. He's like, well, what are y'all doing? We're looking for some work. And he goes, well, here, I'll make you a deal. You come and you work in my vineyard, and I'll pay you at the end of the day, and it'll be a fair wage, you know, and all this stuff. And so they go, and, and they go, and they work. And, and the questions that got to start to be answered, well, why are these people here at 3 o'clock? Is it because they're lazy? Is the reason they're there at 3 o'clock is because nobody else wanted to hire them? Because if maybe they worked somewhere else and they weren't good laborers or, or maybe, you know, again, there's something wrong with them. And, and so nobody wants these people. And so that's why at 3 o'clock that they're still there. And so now you've got all these kind of tension with the group because they're trying to figure this story out. Where is Jesus going with this? And then Jesus does this. And this is, you know, one of these things where we have to understand that, that part of the goal of Jesus' teachings often is to build tension. We want everything to be nice and neat with a little bow, and that's not the stories we're given. We're given stories that create tension and should create tension in us. And so he goes, well, it got to be about 5 o'clock in the afternoon. This is a big deal because everybody that's hearing the story sitting there going, well, we, we quit work. It's kind of a cultural thing. They quit work at 6 because the day's about to end, and you got to go home to your family and got to get prepared for the next day and all this stuff. So at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, this same guy, he goes to the same public square, and he sees these people standing around. And he goes, well, what are you doing? We're looking for some work. And so he goes, well, why don't you come to my vineyard and work and, and we'll settle up at the end of the day. And you got to be thinking these people are like, at the end of the day, the end of the day is in 45 minutes. Like, what's going on here? And you got to think the people standing around are going, I don't understand what Jesus is doing here. I mean, by the time they travel to the vineyard, by the time they get prepared, I mean, what are they going to work? 30, 45 minutes? And so the audience is, there's this tension now, because you, you got this, this vineyard labor has really created this really kind of what seems like a disaster of a situation. You've got all these different groups of people that have been doing different amounts of work. I mean, imagine the people that have been there since 6 a.m., and all of a sudden somebody shows up at 3 to do the same work that you've been doing. Now imagine how people feel when at 5 o'clock, an hour left, people are showing up to work. So they're probably thinking, well, this is really going to be interesting, Jesus. Like, how's this story? What's the, what are you trying to tell us? And so Jesus continues with the story. And he goes, well, it got 6 o'clock. And the day was over. It was time for everybody to, to be done. And so he says he calls his foreman. The vineyarder calls his foreman. He says, hey, go ahead and pay everybody. And listen to what he says. Call the workers and pay them their wages. Beginning with the last ones hired and going to the first. And so what I want you to do is I want you to line everybody up, figure out who got here at 5, figure out who got here at 3, figure out who got here at 12, figure out who got here at 9, figure out who got here at 6. Just line them all up and go ahead and just pay them. And start with the ones that came the latest. Start with the folks that maybe were like 30, 45 minutes of work. So start with the ones that maybe the reason they didn't get a job is because they were lazy. Maybe they were just showed up late. They were there at 5 o'clock. They decided to sleep in or do something else that day. Maybe start with the ones that nobody else wanted to hire because of some reasons. Start with them. And if you know how this story ends, and some of you are like, well, how is this story going to end? It's very unsettling what's going to happen next for some of us. Because some of us in this room, we have a different understanding and a different value system of the way we think that we are in the world. And we think that God should kind of judge us accordingly and do things accordingly. And it's going to be unsettling because for some of us, when this ends, we're going to be like, well, that just seems so unfair. 
And so this parable is going to be so unsettling to some people, but for other people, it's a story of incredible hope. Because Jesus, again, is saying, this is what the kingdom of God is like. And I'll be honest with you, the way this parable ends is unsettling for me. I don't like it. Because I've learned to create little worlds for people and little boxes for people. And you got good people and bad people. You got people who are deserving and people who are not deserving. You got people who have tried to do everything right and always followed the rules, right? I mean, some of us in this room, that's how we feel. Like some of you guys, I mean, all you've ever known is being a Christian, right? I mean, it's your whole like identity. And you've always followed the straight and narrow and you've always gone to church and you've always given your money because that's what you're supposed to do and you're a good person and you've always tried to behave yourself and you've always done your part. And here's what happens for some of us. We look around and we see these people that showed up late or we see these people that had the same opportunities that we had. And we get a little judgmental, don't we? Because we're like, well, you know, yeah, you know, that person, they try to be a good person, bless their heart. You know, that's what we say about people when we think that they're really, you know, bless their heart, you know. And so what we do, we categorize people. We put people in boxes. And so you got the people that showed up at six that did what they were supposed to do. And now you got the people that showed up and barely did anything. And so the story goes that they line everybody up. And the foreman takes the money. And he takes the people that haven't been there very long and he hands them a denarius. He hands them a full day's wage. And what's crazy is when you read the story, what happens next? So they, these people that showed up at the very end, received the same amount of money the people that got there at 6 a.m. were promised. So the people that were there at 6 a.m., do you know what they do? They start to get excited. Because they're like, well, if, 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 they're good, if, he's, man, if he's giving them what he promised us and they didn't show up till the end, Imagine what we're going to get. And so the people start to go through the line, and you get the 3 o'clock people, and they get a denarius. And then the 12 o'clock people go through, and they get a denarius. And the 9 o'clock people go through, and they get a denarius. And then the 6 o'clock people, they walk through. And guess what they get? One denarius. Listen to what it says. Verse 11, when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. And so would you, right? Because it doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem fair that I've been out here this whole time and this person shows up at the last hour, at the last minute, and they get exactly the same as I did. And then we see the heart behind all of this and this is the thing that some of us do that Jesus is trying to call us out for say this these who were hired last worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us and we don't like that I don't think they're equal to me I mean I've given my whole life to this I went to Bible college and it's terrible Right? I went to seminary, right? I, 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 listen, I, I've sacrificed. I've done this, 
And this person gets to walk in at the last minute and they've got to do everything that they wanted to do and live their life and sow their oats. I don't even know what that means, but they sowed their oats, right? And, and you know what? And now they get to walk in and they get the same deal that I did and you made them equal to us. And that just doesn't feel right, does it? Not by my standards and not by your standards. So the landowner, he, he looks at them, they're upset. And he's, he says, he says, well, I, this isn't what we agreed to. I promise you, it's a fair wage. You worked, I gave you the denarius. We said at the beginning of the day, this is a generous offer. He, sa he says to him, he says, well, how have I been unfair to you, friend? By what standard is this unfair? Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? And then Jesus is going to expose something in a lot of us. And he's going to expose something in the first century audience that heard this. And he's going to expose some things in us. Because this next line that he gives, this is when the crowd goes silent. This is when it gets uncomfortable. This is the convicting part. This is the part where it illustrates the absurdity of grace that you and I do not like and are uncomfortable with. This is the thing that many of us resist. And this is the part where in case you've missed it, the God character becomes pretty clear in case it was a little bit fuzzy. In verse 15, he says, don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Like it's mine. Like why are you upset about something that was never yours to begin with? And then he says this, or are you envious because I am so generous? Some translations say this, are you resentful because I am so generous? Are you resentful because of the generosity of God? To which some of us say, well, no, I'm not envious. I'm not, I'm not resentful. Like, I'm, I'm your God. You know, I'm, I'm, I appreciate that. That's good. Um, but I just think I worked a little bit harder. And I just don't think it's fair that they're going to get the same thing that I'm going to get. And in a brilliant moment of teaching, Jesus kind of calls all of us out. And he says, well, that's not the kingdom. The kingdom's generous. See, some of us, all we can imagine is a goat when a fattened calf is available, right? Jesus invites us to see the world differently, to see people differently, and to see the economy of God differently. And then here's what he does for some of us. Ready? He says, this is what grace looks like. That the people that came at six and the people that came at nine, the people that came at 12 and the people came at three and the people that came at five, they all get the same thing. Are you ready? And here's what he asks. Can you handle that? Are you okay with that? Will you participate in that? And if you can't handle it, well, here's the bad news. It was never yours to begin with. It was my money. Why are you so worried about what I'm going to do? Why are you so worried about that? Will you step into a system where the undeserving get exactly what they don't deserve? And in case you missed the whole point of everything, um, you've already got exactly what you didn't deserve. Those people at 6 a.m., there was no work promised to them. It was a gift. It was generosity. 
the landowner went and found them and said, hey, you've got nothing to do here. Why don't you come be a part of this? Will you participate? Now, all of the people that showed up at five, they're sitting there going, this is the greatest thing ever, right? This is a good deal. All the prodigal sons, all the prodigal daughters, all the prodigal husbands, all the prodigal wives, they're like, man, this is so good. This is awesome. And then there's a whole group of people that are sitting there and going, yeah, but this just doesn't seem fair. Let me ask you a question. In our world, how do we measure fair? It's a big word. By the way, just so you know, fairness left this world after the Garden of Eden. Nothing ever since has been fair. If we got what was fair tomorrow morning, some of us would wake up and we would take a whole lot of steps backwards because there's people in the world that would just love to have what you have that you complain about all the time. If the world was distributed fair tomorrow, many of us, me included in this room, would take a whole lot of steps back so a lot of other people can come forward. So we judge everything by what's fair, what we think is fair, but fairness left the building a long time ago. Do you know how we determine what's fair? Ready? We compare. We compare. Well, I've been here working since 6 o'clock in the morning. So obviously, I deserve more than the person that came at three. That's fair. Unless you're talking about the economy of God. Do you know the most uncomfortable thing about grace is grace doesn't compare. In fact, it doesn't compare at all. And because of that, it's beyond fair because in the kingdom of God and what he tries to make clear is that everybody is invited. The people that showed up first, the people who showed up at noon, and the people that showed up at five. Everyone's invited, and there's no one better than anyone else, which is why this story is so unsettling and so uncomfortable for so many of us. Everybody's invited, and everybody gets the same deal. The people with baggage, the people with regret, the people with the past, which by the way, if you think it's other people that have baggage and regrets and a past, you are the most disillusioned person ever because it's everybody. It's all of us. And then I love the kicker of this story because because here's what we we miss is is this, and we miss it in the prodigal son too, is we we harp on the brother and we harp on the people that were so upset because he gave out what he thought was generous to everybody. But here's the kicker. At the end of the story, you know what's amazing? Even the arrogant people who judged still got paid because the kingdom is for everybody. Everyone is invited into the kingdom. So let's not be resentful and let's not be resistant to God's generosity. Let's not be resentful when we see people come into the fold and accept God's grace, even if we don't think it's fair that they get to. And for some of us, let's not be resistant to God's generosity and God's grace because of the attitudes of other people that we've seen. It doesn't compare And it's not fair. And you just got to get comfortable with that. Because as Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. So let's rest in it. Let's live in it. And let's learn to offer it even when it doesn't seem fair.
Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this story, uh, the meaning behind this story, because it opened my eyes um, to the way that I compartmentalize people and judge people sometimes, the way that I try to make my economy work with your economy. And so God, may we be people that embrace the grace that you give to be grateful just that we've been offered it and to live in that, to not compare ourselves to other people, but to live in the grace, to live in in the love and the mercy that you've given us, the generous offer that you've given us, regardless of what time of the day we came to work in the vineyard, God, that we've been even given that opportunity. And may we live in that and accept it. And God, for some of us in this room, this was an eye-opener because we don't want to be envious of your generosity. We want to live in it. For some of us, God, we need to be open to it because we've been resisting it because of the attitudes of other people or things that we've heard. And, and yet in this story, we see even the people that come, they've been skipped over or refused or whatever it is, God, that even in the end, you offer them the same deal. And that's grace. And so, God, may we learn to live in it, to accept it, to rest in it, and to live it out. God, we love you. God, as we sing these songs, may these words um, speak to us, speak to our hearts, and speak to our minds. We love you and we thank you. In your sons, then we pray. Amen. All right, we've come to the point in our service where uh, we're going to come together and take communion. Um, you have already picked one up. There are baskets in the back of the rows. Um, take your time, and we're going to go ahead and play, and when you're ready, you can join us.
Thank you guys for joining us this week. We'll see you all next week.